Hello and welcome to Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. We're a new church with a desire to bring our hope in Jesus Christ to the people of Helensburgh and beyond and live as a community shaped by the gospel. If you live in Helensburgh or are just passing through, we'd love you to join us sometime. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.15 at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. But now, here's the latest sermon from Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. You can find the Bible references and more information in the episode notes. Romans 15, chapter, Romans 15, verses 1 to 7. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Amen. Thank you, Esther, and sorry about the typo. Well, uh, recently we were looking at the story of the world and we have moved on uh, from that. That series uh, is over and yet I think um, what we have here is closely tied up because it is about uh, the church, about God's people. And as we live in this world, as we are part uh, of this world uh, we are part of that story and it's so important for us to um to really know how we uh, live as god's people and one of the things that comes up time and time again in the new testament i've been uh really confronted with this uh, personally as i've read god's word myself um but one of the things that keeps coming up is the importance of of uh the togetherness of the church or the unity the harmony uh to use some of the the language that's uh, used here. And it's something that any sort of group or or society needs. And all the more uh, God's people, all the more uh, the church, that we are living as uh, as one. And as we're a a new church here uh, in Helmsborough, I suppose that is something that we need all uh, the time. It is relevant to, to all of us, though. Maybe um, you, you haven't been to church much before. Maybe you've not been for a long time. But uh, it's something that you probably want to see because Christianity is so focused on the church, you know, day by day. That's what where people meet, what people uh, see, what you may see. Uh, and it's a good thing to see that people have a, a common purpose, uh, a common love for God and for each other a christ-likeness as we'll see uh, in this short passage it's a particular kind of uh, unity that's here Uh, it's summed up in verse two sometimes unity uh, becomes a a kind of imposed thing Um, you know if you look at politics 
perhaps, maybe let's not go there, but you, you know the idea that there, there's one way to think, and that uh, is it. But it's the, the kind of unity here that's summed up in verse 2, um, where it says, let each of us please his neighbour for his good to build him up, or them uh, up. Well, this is a, a an other-focused community. It's it's not looking to ourselves and our desires. It's a unique community where we live out um, this faith, looking for the good of others, as verse 2 makes so clear. So we said this is how we live in this world, how we take part in that story. Because the, the, the church is essentially, is an essential part of being a Christian. It's described as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, all these huge metaphors that the, the Bible uses to tell us what, what the church uh, is like. It's something so valued by, by God. And so how Christians live as a church matters, both for its, its own sake uh, and also for, for others looking on and, and, and thinking about joining and thinking about whether the message of the gospel actually makes a difference. As I said at the start, what, what Paul says here has challenged me uh, this uh, this week. It is such an important thing, and uh, uh, and the important thing is really our hearts and where they are, uh, and the attitude we have to uh, to others. So there's three things I want us to see. Well, that's enough introductions. Three things to see uh, from what Paul says here. First of all, unity and and others. How we interact with others. Second of all, the example of unity. And third of all, the goal of unity. What is what is it for, the, this, this harmony? But first of all, unity and others. Paul begins saying, the strong are obliged to bear uh, with the failings of the weak. The, the pleasing of self is, is not what, what this life is about. It's what we're taught as children, isn't it? That's not what life is about. It's, it's about others and actually in part of the church is helping others grow in their faith now there's a little bit of uh, context here if we were to read chapter 14 paul talks about the strong and the weak uh, and it seems uh, that the weak are those who have been caught up in in ritual and rules in uh, traditions perhaps carried over from from formerly being jews these kind of things that the the, the they can't quite shake um, you know, there's talking about uh, observing certain days and uh, not eating certain foods uh, as the as the the Jews would would and, and still do. Um, that's what Paul is talking about, and they're weak because they're not living in the the full freedom that the gospel brings. We are the freedom that that Jesus has died to forgive us. And that means that, that ceremonies, that ritual, that all these things are no longer needed, that we are focused on uh, the, the, the gospel. And, and what people sometimes do is they, they use these things to make them feel like they're on the right track. Like, if I do this, then I'm a good Christian. If I do this, then I'm a good person. It's sort of self-justification, isn't it? And uh, whether, whether you believe in God or not, we all do that, don't we? We have these things that we feel we've got to do to to make ourselves worthy, to, to make ourselves feel like uh, like we've made it. Uh, and Christians can do that as well. And that's when we are uh, being weak. The irony, I suppose, is that, uh, as, as, as Paul puts elsewhere, when, 
when we are weak, then we are strong. When we are not relying on ourselves, then we are strong. That is the uh, important uh, thing. And, and it seems uh, in Rome that some people haven't uh, got this. And um, we may not have um, Jewish feasts to worry about um, or, or, or what we can and can't eat. But I think that the principle is certainly in my heart that, that what drives is... Um, is culture, perhaps, is tradition, keeping up uh, some things, getting caught up, getting distracted from the truth of the gospel. Um, you know, I, I kind of think of it in this way, uh, these distractions. Maybe, like me, you have someone in your family who likes things a certain way. I have a family member um, who always has to sit in the exact same seat. And... You know, growing up at the dinner table, if you sat in their seat, oh boy, oh boy, it was it was bad. Um, uh, and uh, there's no real reason for it. It's just because it's what they do. It's what they do, and and it's their routine, and they don't like changing it. And, and that's kind of what the the people in Rome had. They had this certain way of of doing this. And now we might react in our hearts thinking well I don't like that and I think it's wrong so I'm going to be annoyed or I'm going to uh, you know look down on, on others but what Paul calls for and what I think is so enticing about the Christian faith one of the many things so enticing about it is that what he calls for is bearing bearing with the weak bearing with those and you know sometimes we're weak sometimes <laughs> others are weak we want others to bear with us, don't we? And we want to, to bear uh, w with others. And if church was like a business, then we wouldn't find that the weak are tolerated for long. If, if you're running a business and someone isn't pulling their weight, as much as you may like that person, you're, you're going to show them the door. Uh, church is, 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 of course, never like that. Paul is saying, bear with. And that phrase, you kind of get it in the English, but it's even clearer originally. It's, it's kind of carrying someone along lifting them up, bringing them with you, helping them in, in every way possible. Um, it's probably been a few weeks since I had a Lord of the Rings reference, so here we go. There's a dramatic scene towards the end of the last film, uh, and, and I think the book, and uh, Frodo uh, is carrying the ring. He's got this task to destroy the one ring, uh, if you've not seen the film, and he's too weak to go on. They're right at the end. They've got to go up a mountain. He's too weak to go on. Um, he just can't do it. And only Frodo can carry it. So his companion, Sam, instead of carrying the ring, says, I can't carry it, but I can carry you. Hoists him up over his shoulders and walks up and carries him up further up the volcano so that they can complete their quest. And that's the kind of image that Paul is giving. It's taking someone over the shoulder, helping them, helping them to grow, helping them uh, get, get stronger. It's taking alongside and helping out. And it's not an easy thing. It's a sacrificial thing. It's sacrificing our own desires to help others. Not to, 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 to compromise, but to help bring people along with us. And I challenge myself when we meet with perhaps struggling new converts, backslidden believers, people who have just wandered a little bit away from the gospel. How do we respond when we meet non-Christians? How do we, we treat them? But Paul seems to think, bear with, help along those who are struggling. 
Don't please ourselves. We're not affirming what people do. It's not what he's saying. We're not rejecting either. Never putting down people. Uh, God says uh, in Isaiah that he won't break the bruised reed or snuff out the smoking flax, the, the struggling and the weak. Is that what that metaphor uh, is saying? How do we respond? Do we respond like God? Or do we respond trying to, to please ourselves? No matter if we're strong or weak, however we might try and categorise ourselves, I think it can be hard to know which we are. Um, no matter what Paul says in verse 2, let each of us, no matter who we are, please his neighbour for his good to build him up. And that is the principle that we need to understand. It is about the other, not about us. Uh, and it's, it's for good. And that's the goal we ought to always have as uh, those of us who are God's people, and that is something I hope that people can see, is, is an attractive thing, that we can build each other up. We can help each other to, to grow in faith and love and in worship and in good works, all these things. I think what it, what it overall means is, is humility, isn't it? It's humility. It's, it's, it's thinking more of others and, and how we can help them, putting their needs before our own, having that outward focus not so we can feel good about ourselves but truly looking for the good of the others helping others to 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 um to forget themselves to grow deeper into the gospel to grow deeper into the freedom that we'll see in a moment that comes from uh from what christ has done a life directed towards the good of others and it is in uh, in the church, in the, in the community of God's people. And that's why things like oh, the community Bible experience are so important. So we can, we can live, um, live uh, this out. It's a, it's, a, it's a regular commitment. It's a constant commitment to God's people, to God himself, the daily grind, if you like, the, the good times and the, the, the bad times. Um, maybe you saw in the... Um, in the news, there's a there's a revival in a place called Asbury. It's it's absolutely, say the news, Christian news, I suppose. Um, there's a revival in, in America, in Kentucky, a, a university called Asbury, and uh, students, young people, and others have been coming through the doors and worshiping for hours. A packed out church, and it's absolutely wonderful. And you know, my opinion is it's the real deal. Uh, I, I don't take this as a cynicism, but that's great, and we pray for that. Uh, and we should never be cynical of these things, but we also need to remember there's the there's the next however many years for for every Christian. There's there's living this out every single day, and that is what Paul is saying. We we live this out. We bear with each other. We live in humility. We love each other. We're united not by our own desires, but our desire to follow Jesus, to love Him, and to serve Him. And it's in that it's in that sort of that, that othering that, that we will grow. Uh, I, I, and I do strongly believe that this is the kind of lifestyle that, that is attractive to people, that, that when people experience it, this is something that is good. And, and when non-Christians don't see it, then, then the gospel falls flat, doesn't it? Because what difference does it really make in our lives? Well, maybe you're wondering, what does it, what does it have to do with the gospel? And, and Paul has the answers for us because our second thing that is the the um the othering of unity i suppose but the second thing is the example of unity 
of love for others, of that humility, whatever you want to call it, the example that we have. And as the answer so often is, the answer is Jesus. He is the example, he is the motivation even for us as, as we live this life. And we're always following examples. Children follow parents' examples for good and for bad. And in work, we'll, we'll often follow examples. You know, um, one of the things that the, the, uh, the free church does, our denomination, the, the, um, the organization is, you know, says you, you get a coach, you get a mentor, someone to kind of learn from. Um, and, and, uh, and that's what we do. And it's a simple thing we do, really, all of us, every single day, without really thinking, we influence others. Um, we, we have an impact on them. And this is one example, though, that we need to be conscious in our following, because following Jesus, following his example, quite often goes against our own instinct, uh, what we really want to do in our heart of hearts, or, or what the, those around us will tell us is good and right. Go against that. Uh, but, but Paul is telling people to live in this othering way, bearing with the failings of the weak, not pleasing ourselves, because that is exactly how Jesus lived in this world. He's not saying, do it because I tell you to. He's saying, doing it, do it because, well, this is how your Savior lived. And, and he quotes Psalm 69, verse 9, to make uh, this point. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And, and Psalm 69 is really about what Jesus did for us. It's from the Old Testament, hundreds of years before, but it speaks about what Jesus does. And this is how he lived. He took reproach for the good of others. And in fact, the whole life and death of Jesus testifies to this. He was rejected by his own people to the point where he was put on a cross. Even his own disciples, his closest friends, were often so ignorant and even denied knowing him as he was arrested and taken to the cross. It's our greatest need, as friends said, I don't know the guy. I'm nothing to do with him. His closest disciple, Peter, did that. And yet, what was Jesus' response? Well, especially to Peter, he went and he restored him. He welcomed him back because he saw Peter's weakness and he welcomed him and he loved him. <clears throat> and in a way, well, even on the cross, actually, it's worth saying, those who killed him, what did he call out for? Not, Father, get them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And in a way, these things maybe weren't done for for unity, but you can see the point that this sort of uh, life must come from having that Christ-like attitude that is bearing with the, the failings of the, the weak from a, a servant heart. Again, it's humility as Christ has. John chapter 13, um, one of the, the accounts of Jesus' life, where Jesus is approaching the moment of his death. It's the, the Last Supper. They're celebrating the, the Jewish feast, the Passover, and Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And it's a shocking thing because Jesus was becoming the lowest servant possible. You, you had to be bottom of the pile to have this job. It's no surprise, you know, um, the dirt and grime of, of dusty roads, uh, sandals of your footwear. It's disgusting. No one wants that job. But Jesus takes that on himself for his own disciples. The God himself takes that job on himself for his disciples because he's showing them servant heart. He's showing them that they must be cleansed by him. And there's so many stories in Jesus' life. You know, um, just one other. Uh, in, in Mark chapter 10, some of Jesus' disciples are, are thinking highly of themselves. And they ask Jesus, you know, when you're in heaven, 
can I be on your right hand and can he be at your left hand? You know, the positions of power, the best seats in the house. And then the other disciples, of course, are said to be indignant because, well, they probably wanted it themselves. Um, and they're th these guys are getting ahead of me. Um, but Jesus tells them, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, you see, Jesus lives that out. He takes the reproach. He even gives his life as a ransom for many, as the price for our lives. So when Paul is quoting Psalm 69, he's telling you know what Jesus is like. You know who you've trusted in, who you have believed in. As an example, yes, but, but the, the motivation really that we need to go and do likewise in all our relationships, you have been <laughs> saved by him. You have been uh, brought from darkness to light. This is the gospel he's reminding them of, that Jesus has, has died and we have been set free from self-centeredness, from, from sin, from the things we do wrong, from, from uh, what we call idols, things that we love more than, than God. Um, now we can live in gratitude, gratitude to Jesus and what Paul is saying. And I think what Jesus says in the verses we've quoted is, that means loving others, that means serving others, that means bearing with them and building them up. It's being able to, to take, not getting our own way, being able to be content with circumstances we maybe wouldn't choose and still being able to seek the good of the other. It means that we, we follow Jesus, who willingly chose to be a servant, gave his life. We are not living for ourselves. What Jesus' life and death is, in part, is a radical call for us to be self-forgetful and others-focused. That is what he calls us to, not necessarily getting our own way, but focusing on what is truly important, the things that God's word, that Jesus himself says importance and it is more than an example it is our our motiv motivation we find this motivation by by knowing jesus and we, we need motivation to do things don't we um if i'm contemplating going for a run i won't do it for the sake of it i need that motivation i need, you know signed up for something or i need to have been on the scales you need that motivation um, and, and we find that motivation by knowing Jesus and the good news of his death and resurrection. And it's that which constantly brings us back to that place of humility, of looking to others, back to reality about ourselves. Because we so often, we go on and things seem to be going well. And I know for myself, I'll start to think, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm doing well. And then it's about me. Uh, and I make it about myself. And, and what the gospel does, it brings us back, not to, to, to put us down, but to remind us who we truly are, that we are saved simply by Jesus taking that reproach. We are saved by Jesus dying for us. That is what the gospel tells us. And so we live in that as a church. We, we, we experience that through the church, through the spirit, through God's word. Verse 4 says, whatever was written former days was written for instruction uh, and, and so on. That through uh, endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We have the Bible to direct us in this, to give us that hope, to teach us how to live. We are united around 
what God says, uh, uh, which is recorded for us in the Bible. Um, it, it's what we follow because it's what God himself has, has breathed out, has spoken. Uh, it, it's truth. It doesn't change with the times. It's there and we can listen to him. So the example of Jesus, the Bible as well, motivates us. We need to, to hold on to these things um, that are in this passage to, to, to get that harmony, that, that unity. Without these things, we become distracted because we lose sight of Jesus. We forget that we've been forgiven. It's the same with the Bible. We lose sight of that. We, we think that it's about us and not about God. We become proud, not remembering that we so desperately need forgiveness and yet that it's so freely given to everyone who comes to Jesus and we forget that and it puts us on the wrong path and, and as we read the Bible we see that story of God's grace to us the lengths he went to for our rescue just a few more things to to apply this I suppose and it's kind of come out what we did a community group uh, last week but we need honesty about ourselves we need honesty about who we are and that could be so hard for for all of us I'm sure about our that we we've done wrong what the bible calls sin that that we are that we were dead in sin even spiritually speaking and yet we are alive in jesus and the honesty is that we have done nothing to save ourselves we have done nothing to make ourselves good that's what the gospel teaches us and that demolishes pride doesn't it as we've been saying that takes it away tears it down and, and sets us on the right way but as well as that that sort of linked to that is we, we see others as no better than ourselves um, or, and, as, uh, and as no worse than ourselves. Um, yeah, even I should say, everyone is made in God's image. Everyone is precious to God and everyone is a sinner like us and we are no better than anyone else. And seeing that as well helps us to, to interact uh, with others in this way. Again, it takes away that pride. But as well, we want others to have the same freedom that we have had through the gospel. It is so freeing when the gospel is, is at the front of our hearts and minds, isn't it? Knowing that it's all been paid, that there's nothing that we can do that can make God love us because he does love us for his own reasons. He already does and he has rescued us. He has already given his son. The price has been paid. Isn't that great news? Isn't that freedom? freedom to live in this way don't we want others to to know that isn't that the thing we want to recommend we easily recommend restaurants and and whatever else um let's recommend the freedom that we have and live out that freedom not get caught up in the things we were talking about at the start the 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 the, the culture the tradition all these things because what we want is this harmony and when we live in light of the gospel in light of what jesus has done that is when we can do these things but we're not just doing it for the sake of it we're not just doing it so we can feel good about ourselves so that we can feel yep we've we've ticked that box no what paul tells us is that it's for god's glory and we are all goal oriented aren't we the third point the goal of unity we are goal oriented every stage of life we have some sort of goal don't we uh when you're in school you want to be educated ready for work or university and then you get to work and it's promotion or a different job or having a family raising kids all these things and then retirement becomes you know we all have goals um and whatever goal it's, it's probably something important and good uh, most of the time 
But when it comes to being God's people, to, to following Jesus, our goal is ultimately the glory of God. That's what Paul tells us, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, Paul breaks into prayer in verse 5, may the God of endurance and so on grant you to live in harmony. That's his prayer for these people, that they would live in harmony. And I think that's a good picture, that harmony, the weak and the strong together, but the goal of God's glory, which involves pleasing our neighbours for their good, the goal, everyone heading towards the same goal, glorifying God with one voice. And we all have different voices, different perspectives, different backgrounds. And these things shape us more than we realise. But what Paul wants is for Christians to be united in their goal, to be living for God's glory, which involves a lot of things like loving each other, serving each other, sharing our faith. But the ultimate goal is God's glory. And no matter who we are, if we are living for that, that will bring um, that, that, that harmony. And I think that harmony is a good way to put it. And he says with with one voice. Uh, I don't know if Paul intended this or if it's just um, how it kind of comes to us, but I think it goes with his overall point here. And people can correct me on my musical knowledge here, but my understanding is when people sing in harmony, they're singing slight variations, but they're all singing to create the same one tune, I think. You get the idea though. That's basically a harmony. It's one song, one thing, but you know, slightly different variations, you know, tenor, alto, um, whatever else, bass. Um, but it all comes together, doesn't it, into one beautiful tune. As I say, we, we have praise here, the piano and the voice, and it comes together, and it's wonderful, uh, these things. Uh, and um, that's what Paul is envisaging here, these voices coming together, all for the glory of God, the people in the church coming together, serving each other, all for the same goal of the glory of God. It is a harmony. It is uh, everything coming together uh, for that. The, 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 what a great vision for, for being one of God's people. Everyone bring their gifts and perspectives, but all working towards the same goal. Beautiful tune of the church, full of love, pleasing each other, not living for self. What challenge to those of us who do believe. It stuck out to me. It was just in my daily reading. I've been challenged by my own heart so often. Is it my goals or Jesus' goals that I'm working towards? But as well, it's an invite. An invite for those who don't believe. An invite to be part of a community of his forgiven people, the ones he has died for, the ones he has taken that reproach for, as it's put here. The ones who he's set free by his death on the cross and his rising from the dead. He invites you to be part of that community, to be living for a greater purpose than all the things that this world offers, to be living for something that lasts, that is eternal, to be living in freedom, to be living, as Paul says, for the glory of God, something that is worth more than a bank balance or a good name, living for God. So harmony, definitely, unity matters. And Paul sums it up in verse 7. We'll just finish with this. Therefore, welcome or, or accept one another as Christ has welcomed or accepted you again for the glory of God. All any of us can claim to be is people who have undeservingly 
been welcomed or accepted by Jesus to that forgiveness, to that new life. And that is what Paul says we are to treat anyone we come across. We are the ones who have been welcomed by God. Let's welcome others so that they too can be welcomed by God. All we can rely on is that acceptance from him. We can't rely on ourselves. We can't have pride. Simply Christ's acceptance of us. He has welcomed you and me. And we can go forward humbly welcoming all. Uh, And whoever we are, whoever you are, you're welcome here in church, of course, but more importantly, welcomed by Jesus himself who accepts you, sets you free and will love you forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10.15 as we meet at the Helensborough and Lowman Civic Centre. Find out more on our website, hopehelensborough.org.